0: So last night, Hamil sent me something very, very interesting. I asked him that, you know, if he wants to come on for a blockchain kind of discussion. And he sent me GPT-4. So if you remember, Chad GPT, it was built on something called GPT-3.5, which was kind of a database, kind of a knowledge center for Chad GPT to drive off of. And now the same company, OpenAI, has launched GPT-4 last night. Last night in India, today morning in the US. And it's very interesting. And, you know, it, it could be a, the next revolution in AI. And it is happening. All, everything is happening so fast. So let's talk about GPT-4. Welcome to the Thought Bistro podcast with Akhil and Vishud. We bring you some weekly news, review books, and view the world with a different lens. Our mission is to provide a platform to explore different ideas with different perspectives and allow the listeners to develop a deeper understanding.
1: So for starters, I just read this again yesterday and I wanted to mention it. GPT, in chat GPT, stands for Generative Pre-Training Transformer. This is the full form of GPT. We'd spoken about GPT 3.5 and all the stuff that was used when it was being trained, the amount, the number of books and the number of Wikipedia articles and stuff all over the internet, I think it was... 410 billion tokens that were used in the training of GPT-3.5 So now GPT-4 is also a large multimodal model which, while less capable than humans in many real-world scenarios exhibits human-level performance on various professional and academic benchmarks. For example, it passes a simulated bar exam with a score around the top 10 percentile of test takers. Whereas GPT 3.5 scored around the bottom 10%. As you all know, the bar exam is something that every lawyer in the US has to pass. It's notoriously difficult and scoring in the top 10 percentile is pretty damn amazing. I
0: think it's crazy. What we get out of machines right now
1: are some
0: sort of accumulation of data. Like, let's say you have a question to a lawyer, then you would go to Google, you would search up, oh, what's the law regarding this, this, and this, but you would not get a straight up answer, right? You would get a couple of sentences. But here, it feels like something that is performing so well on the bar exam might actually get to the point where it gives us results, which are like more human-like almost, you know, more conclusive almost. So we spoke about this in the last episode as well, last ChatGPT episode it's fine for these things to give us more and more information, but they are giving us these answers, then can we depend on these answers? Here it feels like we might actually be able to, and this might be a huge revolution. So I was at a party last night, and at the party, well, I was on my phone while everybody else was, you know, discussing random stuff, and they were all having fun. And then my brother-in-law would keep poking me and be like, get off your phone, get off your phone. But I was reading this paper, and it was so damn interesting. A friend of his runs a restaurant and he's like, how can this help me? You know, in his half-drunken state, he was amazed as to what it might bring to his restaurant. Just a data model to recommend what kind of dishes he, he could keep at what part of the month or what part of the year. He doesn't have the team to drive that and he cannot afford those kind of data scientists. But then Chad GPT might actually get to the point where, you know, he can just provided the data, and it can just run it for him, do all the back-end stuff, and give him an answer without having to depend on larger companies or larger
1: capital-intensive programs. Forget even just putting in his own restaurant data, ChatGPT or GPT-4, can probably see the trends of similar cuisine restaurants around the world or around India for that matter, and tell him that, okay, these are the things that work here. These are the most popular dishes in restaurants of your style. He, he doesn't even need to collect that data of his own. GPT-4 is going to be so much more nuanced. Like for example, chat GPT gives you very generic answers in some ways. We spoke about this earlier where we said that, oh, it's a great starting point. If you have to write something, it gives you a block of text, which you can edit. It's very generic. It's very straight off the book. It. Very, very basic stuff, tailored in a way that works well with human language better than what existed before it. So now GPT-4 is taking it one step further. Things are becoming more nuanced, things are becoming more personalized, more customized. The AI is learning a lot more as to how human interaction works. More than just inputting text, you can input images, you can input video into uh, GPT-4 and it would be able to parse that. It would be able to understand that.
0: So we are going to be reviewing this book. It's called Prediction Machines. And, you know, the base core understanding of that book is the economic thought process behind different, different topics and the economic thought process behind AI. And when you think of, you know, light in today's manner, we don't even think of switching on a light because economically it is so feasible. It is so cheap to sit in light, right? Earlier, just having that one hour of light might be your entire month's salary. And now it's just taken for granted. Just like that, you know, in the book, it's it was written a couple of years ago. It talks about AI as prediction machines and how prediction has gotten cheaper over time. But it keeps referring to the fact that the final decision of a prediction is not getting cheaper. The final decision is still in the hands of human beings. Here, it feels like, you know, the decisions might be getting cheaper. And the decisions on subtopics topics might be getting cheaper. And I think that just opens a whole new world to humanity with regards to these services that right now are so nuanced and so expensive for some businesses or so expensive for some individuals. And all of these services just become available to you at click away
1: or just a text box away or an image away. It's fascinating. In fact, going through the examples that they've given on this paper, they have this section known as steerability. And here they say, the AI can assume a certain role. So in one, they say, okay, you are a Socratic teacher and you cannot answer by giving the students straight answers, but you have to ask, like you have to answer in questions, the similar way, how the Socratic debate, which we did worked. So they have an entire example where a student is trying to solve an equation and the AI is responding to it, not with answers, but asking the student further questions in order to make him or her explore in order to get them to reach the answer, rather than giving them the direct answer. That is just astounding. I mean, I can't even imagine something like that is possible. It's, you know, like one of us assuming a certain role and sticking to that role. And then in one, the AI is told to be a Shakespearean pirate and in one it's told to be a JSON assistant. So anything, anyone inputs the responses in a, in a JSON format, which is like, you know, open, uh, open bracket response as in something, something. And then the bracket closes. It's the same way like a JSON formatted response would look. It is just amazing as to how this is possible with GPT-4 and this is something that was impossible earlier imagine you're asking somebody to morph roles the way human beings do or the way actors do and the person is and the ai is sticking by that that role it doesn't change based on its own whims and fancies it sticks by it you know google did something similar in a lambda display
0: like 3 4 years ago where it would just ask the ai to take the role of moon and then it could ask the moon how does it feel like to go around the earth? Or does it feel lonely being there in the sky? But this is a whole new level, you know. Because here these are professionals that we talk about. And here, talking to Socrates or talking in the form of Socrates, uh, in the form of a Socratic debate, where comprehending the question, understanding an answer to the question,
1: and then forming a question to get that answer out. You're not giving someone a straight answer. You're, as you said, you're... Understanding what they're saying, firstly giving an answer, like I mean, and un- getting the answer to their question, and then asking a question to them in such a way that they themselves can reach the answer you want them to reach. Just imagine the level of brain power that, like, the, just imagine the levels of thinking, the ima- the the layers into which this AI is going. Imagine
0: doing it live with somebody else, right? Even you fall into of a loop of thought or you fall into some processing time that maybe I should come up with a better question. Here, it's instantaneous, right? Just as computers have given us a time and again that instantaneous responses and that instantaneous... I am stuck in a chain of thought thinking about the word feedback. However, we are getting it from the computers.
1: Despite all its capabilities, GPT-4 still has limitations. It is not fully reliable. It, as OpenAI says, Hallucinates facts and makes reasoning errors. They say that great care should be taken while using the language model outputs, particularly in high stakes contexts with the exact protocol matching the needs of the specific use case. You know, make sure that you're reviewing all the scenarios that you have inputted into the, into the machine and make sure that it corresponds exactly to what you want it to correspond to. And even then take whatever the output is with a pinch of salt so gpt4 has significantly reduced its hallucinations relative to previous models uh, gpt4 scores 40% higher than gpt3.5 on the latest on the latest internal adversarial factuality evaluations conducted by openai i think going back to the topic of exams Numerous, numerous exams
0: are listed on the OpenAI website. So they have a whole research paper on this and I'll definitely link this paper and I really recommend anybody to go through this because there's so much information that we won't be able to cover it, all of it, within the podcast.
1: As we mentioned earlier, the BAR exam GPT-4 scored in the 90th percentile whereas 3.5 was in the 10th percentile. For the LSATs, it was in the 88th percentile and GPT-3.5 was in the 40th percentile. For the SATs in the reading and writing segment, it was in the 93rd percentile, whereas GBT 3.5 was in the 87th percentile. And for SAT math, it was in the 89th percentile as compared to GPT 3.5, which was in the 70th percentile. As you can see, these are improvements that have happened over a period of only six months. So you can just imagine where this is going to go. Just yesterday, my nephew had an exam. And in that
0: exam, it was a general knowledge exam in which there were questions like who did this in this year or, you know, when did this happen? These things in our time don't really matter because we understand that we can just go to Google and, you know, just look it up and we'll have the answer there and we will have availability of internet almost everywhere and if we are stranded on an island where we don't have availability to this information, we will not need this information. (laughs) So just like that, you know, these exam scores, they are really interesting because these exams are made by teachers to, you know, trip students and to put them in a loop of thought and to waste their time. However, a language model being able to understand the teacher's language and then comprehending a result out of it, just phenomenal. Outside that, GPT-4 has also done a lot of work on language. So, so while Chinchilla, Palm, the other competitors to ChatGPT have been working with English primarily, GPT-4 has been working very well with English, Italian, Spanish, French, German, Indonesian, Russian, Polish, and numerous other languages. In fact, it has been working with local Indian languages such as Punjabi, Marathi, and Telugu. Which again, you know, it shows the importance of diversity on a front of AI. Whereas people do know that some countries don't really speak English or some countries are not as fluent with English. And French people are generally very well known to be very stubborn and, you know, staying away from the English language.
1: So that also feels like a leap that all languages need to be a part of this. All this is very, very positive and it's amazing as to how far GPT-4 has come. However, there are still the risks that exist with using such a model. This has been made safer, but there are still chances of GPT-4 generating harmful advice, buggy code, inaccurate information, etc., etc. However, the additional capabilities of GPT-4 lead to new risk surfaces. So, OpenAI engaged over fifty experts from domains such as AI alignment risks, cybersecurity, bio risks, trust and safety, etc to test this new model. OpenAI has also
0: open-sourced its OpenAI evals, which is their software to evaluate how well GPT-4 is working within your framework, which again is awesome because, you know, if you're implementing GPT-4 or if you're implementing these large language models, then you should have a tool to tell you how well they're working with your framework because you might not be the best person to understand them altogether. They are fairly new. On a final note, ChatGPT Plus subscribers will get access to GPT-4 with a usage cap, and they will keep adjusting the usage cap as more and more scale comes into the system and more and more they can scale their processes. In the future, they are also planning on having a GPT-4 usage for uh, free subscribers, of course capped. And then let's see where the world goes from there. Like Three months ago, we were fawning over ChatGPT and... That is the end-all, be-all of everything. And we sit here now and we see this
1: model and it's just another revolution happening. I love the speed of the world. For perspective, ChatGPT was released on 30th of November 2022. Today we are sitting, it is the 15th of March. It has been precisely, what, three and a half months. Just above 100 days, if you have to think about it that way. So imagine where things have come in the last 100 days. We did not know ChatGPT existed. We did not know there was something of the elk of ChatGPT. Now everywhere you look, every software, every company, from Google to Snapchat to you know to Bing, everybody wants to integrate some Chat GPT-like feature. It's just become the new trend. It has become the new rage. It has become the benchmark. It has just created this whole Other dimension to AI that most people were not aware of before the 30th of November. And the more hands it gets into, the more applications we'll see,
0: most of which we would not, we've not even thought of yet, most of which nobody has thought of yet. You know, this world works in a big brain fashion, right? We are all connected and we are all thinking together in unidirectionally towards revolution. So maybe this is the next revolution as computers were, as internet was, as iPhone was, you know, as applications were. And now it's time for AI and ML to take over and I'm loving it. You, we usually leave you with stay boring. So let's switch it up a little bit and let's end it on stay revolutionary. Thanks for joining us. We hope to continue to bring you some interesting news from around the world and keep you informed and keep you entertained. And hope to see you again next time. Thank you.